Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Hey there, folks, it's Robin, and I'm popping in to talk to you about clean water because I'm going to be honest, I've been worrying about the contaminants in our tap water, and I knew I had to find a solution, you know, something reliable and effective. And that's when I discovered AquaTrue, and it's been a game changer for my family. AquaTrue's purifiers, they're basically like superheroes for your water, using a four-stage reverse osmosis process to tackle even the toughest contaminants. With PFAS, you know, those pesky forever chemicals making their way into nearly half of U.S. tap water, it is a relief to know that AquaTrue is certified to just kick them to the curb. Plus, their range of purifiers fits every home, from countertop setups to under-sink options. They've even got a Wi-Fi-connected model for the tech-savvy among us. And let's talk about those filters, okay? Long-lasting and affordable, they are a dream come true. There's no more like swapping them out every few months. AquaTrue's filters go the distance and last up to two years. Since switching to AquaTrue, I have noticed a huge difference. The water tastes cleaner, it's fresher, and the best part, I no longer have to worry about what's lurking in my tap water. Even my kids are drinking more water because of the ease of the countertop setup. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, our listeners are going to receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and you're going to enter the code HEADSPACE at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E. Go get it. I always find when I'm able to do it, by the end, I drop in in some way. 
Yeah, And I know I'm better for it, but it's the practice part that's yeah. hard for me. Well, but the practice part is what meditation is, right? right? It's we practice because we forget. Yeah. That's part of what the practice is about. You know, it, the practice is designed so that we remember what is already present, that awareness. I, wait, that I, is, I have to unpack that. We, we say that again? We, we practice to remember what is already present. That's powerful. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Hi, folks. Here we are on this lovely crisp day with another episode of Dear Headspace, a podcast where each week I sit down with a Headspace meditation teacher and we answer your questions. I am Robin Hopkins. I'm a producer at Headspace. I'm also your host today alongside one of our newest Headspace teachers, Rosie. Hi, I'm Rosie, a mindfulness meditation teacher here at Headspace. I have been teaching and studying mindfulness meditation for over 20 years, and it is not only a passion, it's also part of my North Star. It's my my purpose, and I love it so much. And if I wasn't a meditation teacher, I probably would be uh, like oh, I can't wait to hear where this singing goes. karaoke. <laughs> What's your go-to fun. karaoke song? Oh, I I've been changing it every time, but Careless Whisper, George Michael. Well, obviously, obviously, the go-to. That's like the one that you only have one song to sing. That's the one you're gonna do. So mine is Islands in the Stream, and I'm gonna do both parts. That's right, and I'm gonna do them badly. Oh, I'm not saying I'm any good. Yeah. Let's get that clear. <laughs> I want everybody to know that uh, coming from the back, my father's a mariachi singer, so that's he is a professional singer. And so. you don't have a voice? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Robin. So your dad like, what happened? What and happened? the problem, here's the problem. My dad was such a stage dad that when we were little, we would occasionally get on stage with him and sing a song, you know, and it was like a really cute thing that yeah. you do. You might get us, you know, and to do something, but- he was so very supportive, but very critical that there was a certain point where both my sister were like, we're out. Like, I don't want you to train me. And both this of us isn't were very fun. much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've just started at Headspace. I don't know how long. How long have you been here? Uh, I think it's been like a month. Okay. So yeah. how's it going? It's going well. I love it. I've been such a Headspace uh, user and just lover of content for years. I mean, I read Andy's book when it came out, one of the first ones, and I just loved it so much. I love the approachable nature of what Headspace means and what it's about. Yeah. And and I really love that, especially coming from a similar background and being able to study mindfulness in a way that was approachable yeah. for somebody like me, right? So I, I just, I was trying to manifest this since I started teaching. So it's almost like a dream job. I don't ah. know that anybody here realizes what a big deal this is for me, but it's it's huge and I love it and I'm so excited. That's, so it's going well. That's awesome. And you know, you really hit on something like with the approachable. I was thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking the word approachable because I'm I'm new to the meditation world really. Like I'm, I always say like, I'm trying. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to implement it in, yes. in my life and it I do find it very approachable. Yeah. And that's actually the best way I think to approach 
meditation yeah. to begin with. I mean, I think back when I first started meditating, I was a teenager. I'd been going through a really hard time. I was getting in trouble with the law and I'd just been arrested and I just was having a lot of anxiety. And I remember it feeling, you know, I was reading a book and, you know, you read the, read the meditation yeah. and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to try and remember what yeah. this person's telling me to do and I'm going to close my eyes and try and do it. And it just felt like I was doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. So that's, I think the initial introduction for people, whenever they go into a meditative state or they try meditation is, oh, my mind is just racing. I can't, I'm bad at meditation. Yeah. That's the one where I, I have such a heart felt like, oh no, you're doing it right. Yeah. Like, don't, don't worry about it being wrong because ultimately your intention and you trying to do something is already, you're already winning, you know, yeah, you're already yeah. there. It's not about winning, but it's like you're already in the process of creating that space for yourself. Yeah. Well, I am so excited that we're doing this together. Are you ready, Rosie? Are you ready? Let's get into our first question. Dear Headspace, I feel completely ashamed to admit this, but I recently cheated on my girlfriend. Uh, I never thought I would be this person, and I know I made a big mistake in a moment of bad judgment. Now, though, I don't want to tell her because I know she'll leave me. I also don't want to tell her because I know it's never going to happen again. Can I consider myself a good person if I just keep it to myself and move on? Ooh. You know, what's interesting about uh, Dan's question there is he's not just talking about the infidelity. He's talking about, like, can I bury it and can I be a good person? And that's a really layered question. Wow. I'm going to make you start, Rosie. Oh, man, really? <laughs> I did. That I is... did that. I, I, my advice is sometimes not popular. In what way? You know, I, I've encountered a situation like this before. And it's hard because if there is a pathology there, First of all, Dan, I would highly suggest you talk to a professional therapist about what's going on, what you're feeling, and I think that it's worth you doing some self-inquiry and potentially even having some inquiry with a professional that can help you maybe work through some of these things so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, because I don't know that I, that things necessarily happen out of the blue for no right. reason. They I mean, no, no judgment, Dan. Like, Yeah, if, not at all. If, like, if that's... You know, yeah. Look, of- Dan, I've been there. I've been on both sides. Yeah. So I've been somebody who was the who the cheated on and the cheaty. Yeah, exactly. So here's what I what I would say. I I think it's important for you to inquire what being honest is going to do for you and what it's going to do for your partner. So I come from a background of you know my my father was in AA for many years. Mm -hmm. And so I was very familiar with the, a 12-step program uh, from a young age. And there's a lot of family members that I have that have gone through this program. And yep. so, and I personally have not myself been in recovery, but I'm very familiar with people in recovery and, and going through the 12 steps, which I really love. And I really feel like it's a system that a lot of people should do. Absolutely. Just for the purposes of uncovering and really unraveling and getting getting to know yourself at a deeper level. Yeah, because it's based in honesty and, yes. and cleaning, cleaning up and cleaning being responsible your, for exactly, yourself. Exactly, being responsible, taking taking ownership, being of service, owning up to your mistakes, yeah. making amends and that kind of thing. So Staying in your own business. Staying in your own business. <laughs> so I really feel that for me, are you wanting to get this off your chest because you want to feel better? 
or because you think this is going to make her feel better because I guarantee it's not going to make her feel good. Yeah. And if your motivation for telling somebody what you what has happened is you're just doing it because you want to get it off your chest and wherever the cards lie, they lie, yeah. then that potentially could be a little bit selfish. Let me ask you a question about that. What if you're carrying this thing with you, Dan's carrying this mm -hmm, thing with mm -hmm, him, mm -hmm. and because of that, it's really affecting his life. I mean, yes. you did you did at the top talk about therapy, and I, yes. I concur with that. And if it's not about like, oh, I just need to release the shame of it, you know, I, I like for me, I I hid being gay for a really long time. Like I had a whole relationship for a year that I hid, and I was not my best self with my friends. Like mm -hmm. I was a weirdo because I ha had a secret, and so I wonder, like, a secret can take you down. Oh yeah. And is it enough to process it with another person or do you have to come clean? Yeah. But it's, you know. Yeah, but I, I love what you're saying. That essentially is the gauge, right? That's the barometer. How is this affecting you? And and it's not take out the being a good or a bad person out of it, right? right. Because there's the shame yep. that we have when we make mistakes. I, again, will revert back to the beginning and talk to somebody about this because I think it merits a conversation, whether it's a pathology or not. I think it's always good to be able to express this experience with somebody else and then make a decision. But I mean, Robin, with what you're saying, I, I agree too. If it's stopping you from living your life and it's completely tearing you apart, Again, talk to a therapist, yeah. but definitely see what this looks like in the long run for you. Is this somebody that you want to be with? Is this is the, the girlfriend that you're with somebody that you want to be with forever? You see a life, you want to marry her, this is your person, you are sure of it, then this requires a lot more attention yeah. and inquiry. But if you're in a relationship with somebody and this happened once, but you're still sort of on the fence, then I would say talk to somebody yeah. and, and figure out why what happened happened so that it doesn't happen again. Can I ask you a question in yeah. particular? You are in a relationship with Dan. Not this Dan, a Dan. Yeah. Dan cheats on okay. you. And it, it truly was a mistake. Yeah. He's loaded. He's in Vegas. What happens in Vegas? Whatever happens. Whatever yeah. the reason is. Would you want to know? Honestly, I, I don't think I would. Yeah, I don't know that I could handle it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, And if it was to me a thing where that will ruin our relationship and it just happened that one time and my partner is for sure and, and they're doing work around it, I wouldn't want to know. I would say it happened. It was a mistake. You were in Vegas doing whatever. Like it was that bachelorette I, party. Yeah, that bachelorette party. You really went on one. <laughs> I, I personally, I wouldn't want to know. Yeah, I, I, I would struggle if I knew. I would struggle with the trust level. But it does really go back to for me. I would be like, well, if everything was okay, why did why you did do you do that? It? Yeah, and and I don't think infidelity happens when you don't want to. Yeah, no. And most of the time, I think people think, oh, you know, it was just this once, and I you know, everything's fine. And I love my wife or I love my husband. And it, love has nothing to do with it. it it's deeper rooted than that. Yeah. When you are willing to succumb to your innate desires yeah. and there's no control there. Well, and also you're breaking an agreement. If you have an open relationship, then you have an open relationship. Right. Then you, like you didn't do anything against the person, you yeah. know, but we, we were talking before we hit record. And we were saying we were both in relationships for nearing 20 years. Like, it can even be something as simple as it's not as new as it used to be. And maybe right. we're busy in our lives and we don't show the other person as much affection or attention as as we did earlier on. Right. And 
by saying, oh, nothing is wrong, you might be negating some work that could be done that's not even wildly hard work, right. just a reconnection to come yes. back so you feel validated and appreciated and loved. Yeah, exactly. So I liked in your answer, you said, I would want to know that person is doing the work. Yeah, because I think that part is important. I mean, you know this, being in a relationship a long time, it you go up and down, right? It, sure. It, it's a constant learning. Closer of, coming back, closer yes, coming back. and people are going through different phases in their life. I mean, you're not the same person you were 20 years ago. No, I'm prettier and thinner. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm better. I'm a better version of myself, you know? And I think that, that that has a lot to do with it as well. How are you caring for yourself? How are you loving yourself? How are you preparing yourself to be loved? So it merits a deeper look and a little bit more attention. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's important. I mean, obviously, we're talking about mindfulness. What could Dan do to bring mindfulness or meditation in that might be helpful in opening up where he is in this issue? Well, I think right now, if I can make a, an assumption, Dan, and excuse me for doing so, but I think Dan is very concerned about being forgiven. And instead, I would say if he's done the inquiry to forgive himself, and if not, I would suggest doing a little bit of uh, practice around that. And, you know, I love the word forgiveness, right? Because the word forgive, it means to give. There is an exchange happening, right? There is a, an energy exchange. And I think this is where the practice of mindfulness really comes in because essentially giving yourself the space to not be in despair yeah. or in suffering is uh, it's a nice moment for you to rest and not berate yourself internally for being a bad, quote unquote, bad person. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would suggest creating a practice around forgiveness and forgiving yourself. And like I said, you know, talking to somebody that is qualified to yeah. have this type of conversation. Um, but I would say incorporating some sort of forgiveness practice yeah. into your, your day would be great. I, I really, I think... We, we need to just remember to be kind to ourselves yeah, and remember that we're human and um, we all make mistakes. Well, Dan, whatever it is, I, I, I don't want to speak for Rosie, but I hope that you release this idea of, can I consider myself a good person? Yeah. That seems separate. And you know, Dan, if you want to reach back out and let us know how it went, we're here. Yeah. We're always here. We're not yeah. going anywhere. We live in the studio. Yes. All right. Forever. <laughs> all right. I think we'll, let's go to question number two and good luck, Dan. <laughs> Hi, my name is Rin, and my question is, can Christianity and meditation go hand in hand? Quick but powerful question from Rin. <sighs> and, and by the way, what are the chances that this question, talk about the universe, this question comes right after you talking about being a being recovering, re recovering Catholic. Catholic. Like, what are the chances? You know, this is a really great question, Rin. And sorry if I'm going right into no, it. No, please but do. I, I feel like this is a conversation that I've had with other students and friends of mine. Uh, I have a friend actually who's a, a pastor. And, you know, I, I loved reading the Bible. That was one of my favorite things to do. I love the stories. And anytime I wanted to freak out, I'd read the beginning, read the Old <laughs> Testament. So I'm like, this is gnarly. Like, so like this is, you know, like an intense very traumatic for a child to try and understand. Um, but 
one of the things that I really loved about reading the Bible and the practices of Christianity and the teachings of Jesus was this innate quality of kindness that was taught. There were a couple of verses, and I could totally, uh, I'm not going to be able to know exactly what verses were, but I know that they're in in some of the uh, New Testament, I believe there is mention of uh, meditation and inquiry, self-inquiry. So I do believe that there is a correlation between the two. And I always love this quote. Uh, a friend of mine uh, said this to me, that prayer is us talking to God and meditation is us listening. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so I really love the idea of whether this is part of your practice or you're practicing, whatever religion you're you're practicing, that meditation is an opportunity for you to connect to that part of yourself that is your sanctuary, that's mm-hmm. your church, that is your opportunity to create space within yourself and have that be a state of peace. I don't know necessarily that that answers the question fully. Well, but you 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 are touching on something and and it made me think of something too. And my old boss, he said that he would go to church because the house of worship, the place, and he was a Catholic as well, mm-hmm. It brought him down, and it created. It was a place where he could think and he could reflect. And the only times I have gone, I've found that there's a meditative quality in the way that they talk, and the mm-hmm. way, and it made me think of what you were saying earlier about how there are different types of meditations. And so, doesn't it go? Can it go hand in hand in that regard? Like you're bringing your meditation and yourself into this quiet yeah. space and into the the listening and the way that it that they speak. Yeah. It's not a this or that. It's an and. Yeah. It's I can be both. I can be both a practicing Catholic and a meditator. I think that part of making your meditation practice fit into your lifestyle, however it is, is is more uh, fruitful for whatever it is that your beliefs are. Yeah. You know, it, it just is going to enhance whatever's already there or create space for more of what you want to bring in, you know. I, I got kicked out of catechism, which is essentially <laughs> like a Sunday school. So I feel like religion for me was always a little bit tainted because uh-huh. I was essentially kicked out of the house of God. Yeah, you which know? seems a little counterintuitive in my opinion. Right. But there was this incident where we were told that during the Eucharist, we would see God's hand come down to bless the Eucharist, which is like the body and blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And our teacher had said that we would see the hand of God come down and touch it. And it was going to be a very special experience. And I didn't see anything. Right. I, and I and it wasn't even explained to me that it was going to be an energetic. Oh, you're like I needed a. You're like I'm literally oh, I'm looking literally for a hand. waiting for a big ass Jesus hand to come. I'm picturing down like and young like Rosie touch. looking around, being like, "Did you see it? Yeah. Did you see? I oh, don't yeah. see any hands. Well, that was the thing. And then we went back to our little class, and she asked, "Oh, how many of you saw God's hand come down?" And everybody but me raised their hand. And I didn't see. I was fine with lying. I had yeah. already lied to the cops when I was young. You know, seeing things around my neighborhood, they would come and question, and you never said anything, yeah. right? So, lying was kind of a yeah normal thing, but I just didn't want to do it in the house of God. Right. So I didn't. And I I really was curious why, you know, and I'm looking around and she said, oh, the, those of you who didn't see God's hand, you're just not ready for God. 
Oh, and they put it right back on you. They put it right back on like you. Like you did something wrong. And I was like, uh-uh. So I put my hand back up and I was like, excuse miss, me, miss. miss. <laughs> exactly. Excuse me, miss. I didn't see anything because there was nothing there. They did not care for that, did they? No. I got kicked out. Yeah. Well, do you think, because I was going to ask you, and I feel like you just started to talk about it, like, why do you think there is this perception that these two things have to be separate and apart? In a previous episode, Dora was speaking about how when she got into meditation, her very religious family mm-hmm. was was uncomfortable yeah. with it. And I, I wonder why there's this perception that they can't be together. I think a lot of people think anything outside of what they're used to is bad, and that goes across the board culturally, yeah. right, with beliefs, et cetera. Yeah. Anything outside of the norm. I have a wife. I get this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything outside of the norm is bad. Yeah. So I think it really depends on your upbringing and, and what your beliefs are. And, and if you have a family that's not really open to other ways of being devotional or other right. ways of tuning into that experience, then yeah, people think it's bad or it's yeah. like devil worship or whatever. You know, I remember when I started practicing yoga and a, a friend of my mom's was like, oh, you know, that's the devil. You know, she is yoga. worshiping the devil when you practice yoga. And I'm like, really? Because it's literally made me a good person. Yeah. I mean, it really has changed my life completely. I was on a bad downward spiral. And the minute that I started practicing yoga and meditation, it completely i mean i felt more closer to god and to the divine to whatever you know yeah. higher power belief that i was connected to than i did when i would go to church yeah so for me that didn't work you know my church became the meditation cushion well i feel like we just figured out some really big universe stuff we here, literally Rosie. just solved everyone's problems I, okay so but to in all seriousness um rin thank you for that really incredible, like proving that the question doesn't need to be long. That was a very short, direct, amazingly powerful question and fun to answer. Yeah. I love that. Thanks, Rin. Okay. So here's our last question and I'm ready for it. Okay. Here we go. Hi, I'm Fifi and I'm from New Zealand. I've been given a piece of advice many times in the past. And that advice is, you shouldn't care about what others think about you. But I don't always agree with this advice. I think it's okay to care about what my family and friends think about me. What I'm wondering is, how can I use meditation to manage my reputation? Okay. I, I didn't I didn't see that last part coming around. That's oh, interesting. Yeah, that, was, that was a... It's almost like a two-parter. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if we're talking about worrying because i almost think we have to address it in the two parts right i think let's do that yeah so the first half is about worrying about what people think about you and i understand what she's saying there because i feel like if i go out in the world and i don't think about what people think about me that is sometimes that's the thing that stops me from maybe overstepping so it's it in some ways it's a line of defense for remembering that you are not alone in this world and you my behavior can't just be whatever i want it to be right but then there's that fine line of, I don't want to do it too much. Right. You don't want to do it too much where it prevents Inhibits you from being you. who you are. Yes. Exactly. And it prevents you from fully expressing yourself because you're in fear, right? So it's the difference between being confident and being in fear. Yeah. Right? So I think that that's the best gauge to define whether or not caring about what people think is helpful or it's insidious to your nature, right? Yeah. It's like finding that balance between the two. Yeah. 
So, okay. So if we were to take this into the meditation practice, what would you say for a person to find that line? The the question was, how does meditation uh, help her reputation? So it's an interesting question, right? Because then are you more interested in meditating because of how people are going to perceive you or what it's going to do for you, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's clear that she cares about what the people that she loves think about her. That's important. That's valid. Yep. But now we're going an extra level in saying, how how does meditation help my reputation? And if we're looking at it under the lens of how is me being kind and compassionate and a connected human being going to make me a more caring and loving person? Right. Then yes, uh, Absolutely, that this will help your reputation because you will be a more present human being. Yeah. That means innately you will be more of service. You will be more empathetic, which is what you were saying. And I think that this could definitely help you in your relationships overall. Now, if the question is, how does meditation make me look good for people? Yeah, I don't know that, that it works that way, you know. But I feel like if the question is around, should I care what people think or shouldn't I, I definitely think it's going to help you drop into taking the attention off yourself. Right. And like you said, just being a caring and and that's going to, that practice is going to help you with that. And then maybe you come out of that question, like almost who cares? Yeah. Just, Just do the next right thing. No, but it's so interesting that you're saying that because I think, you know, we have the same thought process where you want to be able to not care about what people think, right? Where it's <laughs> I like- I don't care what anybody thinks about right? how I look. Yeah. It's like, but, who cares? Yeah. I don't care about what anybody says. But do I look good in this? But does this look good? <laughs> but do I sound okay? Was this yeah. okay? Was this okay? Right? We yeah. do that. Sorry, and, sorry. Sorry. Right. Right. Constantly apologizing. And I think that that's the fine line that I was talking about is where is this stemming from a place of fear? Is it stemming from a place of- of love, right? Yeah. And care or really wanting to connect in a deeper way. Is this going to serve you in some higher capacity or is this going to prevent you from being who you are because you're afraid of not acquiescing to the demands of the people in your life? Right. Yeah, it's going back to what we're saying. If you're caring too much, that's not helpful. Right. But then if you don't care at all, that's also not helpful. So where do you discern to find the balance between the two? Yeah. And there's in our listener's question, and it's not to say that this is coming from the listener, but there there is a conversation around ego in this of mm. like caring what people think about you and should you care about what people think and do, you know, like that that's mixed up in there in some ways. Yeah. I have a constant battle. No, I don't want to say battle, but the ego is very much a real it is real. Experience. It's difficult, but I feel like that's where these types of contemplative practices come in because you get to know yourself at a deeper level and you can then begin to discern when those parts of you are coming out that yeah. really want to be loved, liked, validated. I mean, it's the whole I mean, there's literally platforms. like buttons now. Yeah, they're, the, the entire platform of social media was yeah. based on this commodification of being liked. Yes. Right? We have become a commodity now, numbers on a screen, where now I'm meriting my self-worth on how many likes I have, how many people comment on 
what I'm doing or, yep. or what I'm saying. And if they don't comment, did they care? Did they Was care? I not good enough? Yeah. Did my post stink? Was I unattractive? Whatever yes. those things are. And it, it's really hard. You oh, know? my daughter's 13 and I won't let oh. her on social media. And she's like, when's that coming? I'm like, well, we'll keep talking. I'm like, it's not coming now. And I said, do you understand why this is the conversation? I said, I don't want you to get into a loop of needing this positive feedback from other people. Yeah. I want you to find it within yourself. And most days she gets it. And some days she's like, but Insta? But Insta. I'm like, that's the worst one. Yeah. I mean, it really is. You know, so Instagram. Filter, filter, filter. Yeah. And the, the, one of the main components, this is terrible, but. There was professional gambling software text that came into Instagram that created this, the experience when you're scrolling. You know, when you go on Instagram, oh, like you a- have to wait. Well, yeah, but you have to wait to see how many people commented in the upper right yeah, corner, yeah. the comments or how many people are following you. There's a reason why there's that delay. It's designed, you know, you're getting all the serotonin yeah. and all the, the, dopamine, the hits. dopamine hits because you're waiting for that. Oh my God, to are show you up. serious? Yeah. And then and then what that does is it perpetuates that desire mm-hmm. subconsciously to continue to scroll to find more of that feeling. The way that I like to manage it is by setting certain times and not going on when I feel a certain type of way. I yeah. have to constantly, I mean, this is the thing that you'll find about me whenever I teach. I'm constantly asking people to ask themselves how they feel, where they're at. Because I think it's important for you to gauge that before you do anything external. Yeah. You know, if I'm feeling some type of way, if I'm feeling a little bit agitated or I'm feeling a little sad or I'm I'm not going to go on social media right away because I know I've never gotten off Instagram and felt amazing. I felt better about yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's just the honest to yeah. God truth. Yeah. I think the more you develop a strong relationship with yourself and assessing where you are and understanding that the likes that you get or the the likes that you don't get yeah. have nothing to do with your value and your worth in this world, then when you know that, yeah. you do you. Yeah. You know, you you get to have that experience. But I, I feel like putting your value, your merit, going into ego, right? If we yep. can loop it back to ego – because I have a surge of followers all of a sudden that makes me important. Yeah. It makes absolutely no difference. Do you really know why? Doesn't. Because those people are living their lives. They're not worried about what you're doing. Yeah. Nobody is- They is, liked and then they kept scrolling. And they kept scrolling. And it's on to the next. Yeah. I, again, I think I said this before, but we could talk for 700 years. And I don't, I'm fairly certain we would not run out of topics, Rosie. I, I doubt it. And I, like all those questions were so good. But Rin's question about religion and meditation, it really did hit me. I, I mentioned it, but as a part of the LGBTQ community, I sometimes have to do some figuring out organized religion in my life. And in a lot of ways, I think that meditation, as I mentioned, does create that space. Yeah, I really resonated with Dan's question. Mm, And uh especially when we were talking about forgiveness and 
Uh, I know that Andy has done a video on how to forgive ourselves. That would be really great. And I know that Dora has done a great meditation too on forgiveness. So I highly suggest that everybody checks them out. Oh, absolutely. And I just, I love these conversations. And folks, we could not have them without questions from our listeners. So if you have a question for our teachers, all you have to do is go to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace. And that link will be in the show notes. You're going to follow the prompts to record your question. And in an exciting turn of events, if we use your question on the show, you get three months of headspace for you or a loved one, which that's a good deal. I say, Rosie, what do you say? It's amazing. You can also leave us messages about what you love about the show, things you wish we'd talk about. We're Mm. all ears. Absolutely. All right. Well, it is time for us to say goodbye to everyone, but we're not just going to abruptly leave, Rosie. <laughs> no, I mean that would be not. that would be that would be mean. That would be so rude. No, we would never. Uh, that's right. We built in some time at the end of this podcast so you can take in what you heard. Today, we're leaving you with the peaceful sounds of a frog chorus. Isn't that interesting? This is so I wild. I love it. Uh, it's a moment to let your mind do whatever it wants to do to transition from this space into the next thing in your day. So, till next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And be kind to each other. Yes. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, Baron Farmar, and Danny Crissimi. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, and Eve Lewis Prieto. Sound recording and post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. 
and a very special thanks to Colleen Lutz. 